I'm Jim. And I'm Emily. And we're, we're the, the Summers, Summers family. family. She works in an office. And he runs the home. Together, we're raising our four kids with an emphasis on family, adventure, and the arts. Welcome to the Summers Time Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Summers Time Podcast. Tonight, we're going to talk about worry. What do we got, Em? It sounds really dramatic, but I feel like this is a big topic right now. Everybody's got something more so than probably ever before or in Mm -hmm. the recent past that um, is causing more worry than normal. And I know it's been a big topic in our community, with our family, with us, and there's a lot of changes that are about to happen through the rest of the year that we'll get to. Um, So anyway, we've just found that we've been talking about or um, incorporating worrying elements into our conversations, and we thought it would be good to talk through it. So yeah, so today's episode (laughs) is about worry. So what type of worrier do you think you are? Like, do you think you worry often or how does it impact you? Uh, I think I'm kind of in the middle. Like I'm not an over worrier. I don't go crazy with it, but I'm also not totally chill all the time. Um, I've had my issues with anxiety in the past, and I think that that comes from worrying. At least that's one of the factors that can that can lead to anxiety. And I think that sometimes what happens to me is I worry about something, and then I just it gets into my head, and I just keep going. And I and I can't shut my mind up to just be like, just chill out, just chill out. But it also depends on what I'm worrying about. So if it's something like I'm worried about do I have a gift for you for your birthday, for instance, or something? I That doesn't bother me. Like, I'll figure it out. I'm not worried that you are going to, you know, get rid of me or anything like that if I forget a gift or something. Um, but if I'm worried about something like my health, uh, like I'm not feeling well, and then I start to get into my head like, oh, what if it's this? What if it's that? I think a lot of us do that. It's like, oh, what if I have cancer? Oh, what if I have, you know, whatever, anything. You just start to really think about things that you shouldn't be thinking about because you're just getting yourself all up in a tizzy. And, you know, we don't we don't need to do that because that doesn't, that doesn't help anything. So I think it's kind of like I'm in the middle. I don't worry too much, but I also, uh, I'm not totally chill. I would think of you, I think that you are mostly not a worrier. Like you're, you're kind of a steady Eddie, mm-hmm. but there definitely are like, like you mentioned health, there's a handful of categories that you can get carried away with. But mostly I think you're pretty even keeled and you like to keep things simple. That's what helps me not worry is if I keep things simple and I try to simplify my life, then I'm not worried. about. Yeah. So things. maybe it's a strategy for you. That could be true. What about you? What is your worry type? I'm a worrier. I would give you that. Yeah. I don't, I don't think you're like over the top. I mean, again, I, I want to be careful that we're not like there's two sides of the spectrum. And I don't think either of us are, you know, complete worry wart or like doesn't don't care about anything. Um, but yeah, I think you probably worry. More My natural inclination is to worry. <clears throat> My natural inclination okay, well, that's is to, one way to put it, yeah. like project worst case scenario pretty rapidly. I guess now that I'm thinking about it, I have had to talk you off the ledge a few times, <laughs> but it's like, yeah, you can laugh at it. It's kind of funny. It's like, um, please just, you're fine. Like, stop going I to doomsday scenarios. I can stand outside myself and I can see it in action and I can go, I know this is ridiculous, but, and then I just get carried away with myself. So, but I, w- I would say you and I probably balance each other out really well because for the most part, you're pretty even keeled and for the, not for the most part, but often I worry. No, but you are absolutely correct in the sense that when you're worrying about something, I find myself 
talking you off the ledge, calming you down and being like, come on, don't be ridiculous. And I feel like I should be like that with myself and I'm not because then I'll get all worried about something and you're like, take it easy. Just go to see the doctor if you're worried about your health. Go see the doctor, blah, 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 blah. And you just kind of walk me through it. And so I think you're right. We kind of talk each other off the ledge when one of us is worrying about something It kind of balances out and hopefully it, it works out in the long run. Can you think of times in your life where it cropped up for you the most? Like we were talking about some of the ways that like for you, health is something that causes you to overthink for me health can uh maybe not quite as much as you but it can um but like i mean i can i i I don't know i tend to get i can just create these stories in my mind very quickly of how everything can go awry and sometimes it's almost comical because it's like how could you even like it's a little bit creative yeah you're honestly. you're creating a story in your mind and and it's ridiculous preposterous um, it's preposterous but do you have times of that you can think of where it cropped up for you well, I had mentioned uh, earlier that I had have battled anxiety a little bit, and I think that the first time I can really remember myself worrying and then therefore uh, moving into anxiety um, would have been right after I graduated college, because up to that point, life was pretty cut and dry for me. I was going to school. I was living with my parents. They took care of things for me, you know, like, like I just mentioned too, doctor appointments uh, and things of that nature, any kind of bills, I suppose. Like I didn't have to worry about that stuff because I was a kid. When I got out of college, it, it did hit me that I, I had a degree, but I had no idea what I wanted to do, which I know is quite common with a lot of people, but it still didn't sit well with me because I didn't know where to go. Um, plus that was coupled like right after 9-11 happened because I graduated in 2002. So that was still fresh in my mind. And I think that with not knowing where my future was going to go was like a perfect storm for worry. And then it turned into anxiety. I remember worrying in college too. I remember feeling like I was coming up to a cliff and you, we, at the time, you couldn't have health insurance once you graduated college, I think it was. Like now it, now it extends 26 to, years yeah. old or something. I just yeah. remember being very concerned about health insurance. I remember thinking like, a new if graduate. I don't get a job, <laughs> I'm not going to have health insurance. I was worried about where I was going to be able to go to a, you know, a bar and hang out with friends after college because I lost <laughs> all that. Here you are worried about health insurance. No, I was worried about finding a job. and I So you were worried about health. I was worried about income and, and being able to support myself. And that, yeah, that was definitely... A worry. Both of those things are definitely a well. Worry. And think about it too. Most of your life, at least where we grew up, it was okay. Next step is I go to elementary school. Next step is I go to junior high. Next step is I go to high school. Exactly Next right. Step is I go out. to college or I go to a trade school or you know it's or kind of like you know what your next step is going to be. Right. And then when you graduate college, you don't actually no you don't and i i remember thinking when i was in while i was in college and i bounced around i went to community college and then a music school and then i settled on in the university of iowa and that's where i got my degree and i remember thinking throughout that time that um oh this would be great i'll, I'll get a degree i'll be able to get hired at forty thousand dollars a year out of right out of college i sold myself that lie that that's what would happen that i would be $40,000 a year to someone because I had a college degree. Never mind what it was in, never mind what my experience is. And I learned the hard way that that's not what happens. I got out of college and I was not able to find a $40,000 a year job and just, you know, move off into the sunset and be making a bunch of money at the tender age of 21. So that also 
gave me a lot of worry and therefore anxiety as well. Like, don't I you admire the people though that they they have such confidence that they're like they know it's going to happen. Like you said, confidence. But there's some people that even when it doesn't work out the way you want it, they still have confidence that it's going to work out. And I feel like I have to talk myself into that a lot. Like I, I can definitely self motivate, but it's not this natural flow that I have at right. all times. I have to, you have to look for it or dig yeah, it up to, or whatever. Yeah. I have to step into it. <clears throat> yeah, no, I, I agree. There's some people that they know what they want very early on. Some of them know what they want when they're in college, they figure it out and they, they land on the right major that hopefully then they, uh, you know, get hired at a job for, but I mean, without saying exactly what they are. I know you and I both had majors and we got degrees and things that we didn't end up going into in our careers, which is perfectly fine. But that's still a scary thing when you you leave college, uh, as we did, and it's just a wide open future. Like, okay, what happens now? I mean, I started working at a guitar center making like nine bucks an hour because I, I knew that I liked music. I knew that I wanted to do something with music, but I I didn't know where to go from. I didn't have a music education degree or I didn't have a performance degree or any kind of degree in music per se. So I was like, well, I guess I'll just start here. And I remember my dad saying, well, all right, you're starting here and you're going to build up experience. And that's what I did. And eventually it led to me you know, working at Motorola, as I've mentioned before and, and beyond. Um, but that was that didn't sit that well with me. That was That was tough. I think that whole space of worry... And probably most worry is the unknown. It's step, stepping into a new environment, embracing something that's outside of what you know to be true. Right. Um, I know if we look past college, starting a new job, starting a new position, those are all times where I it, it can kind of like, you know, you can get carried away with it. Um, but definitely when we had kids, that was... Remember, you know, like we, we actually, once we had the, we felt really natural about taking care of the kid. Right. But like anything, especially with the first one, like a lot of spit up all of a sudden we're like, it's projectile vomit. You know, like you just, well, you, you naturally spiral. Yeah. You naturally do that because you're, you don't know, you've never experienced it. But I, I don't know. I might say that you and I, um, we actually, I don't feel like we worried too much with, pregnancies and I worried when I was on maternity leave because it was just <clears throat> I was facing it all the time so yeah I, that's like, true and I didn't have I was distractions or something like that like I my like the way that I operate it was a little bit off balance because I I think I need well that was their full-time thing separate yeah yeah that was your full thing to take care of the baby so and I could definitely build some stories in my head when I was on maternity leave and I felt like I got I got much significantly better about it when I went back to work well but one more thing about the baby thing I do remember uh and this is just our personal preference so for any of those out there that are have had kids or are having kids or whatever this is just our personal preference. We started to read the the pregnancy books and the birthing books and all that stuff. Got through a little bit of them, and then we we were like, nope, we're not going to do this because we didn't want to worry. I feel like there was a lot of stuff in there that was just kind of the books that we were reading just kind of had a negative tone to it. And I was like, I thought this is supposed to be a 
a fun, exciting time for us. And this felt oh, like yeah. everything was negative and don't do that, don't do this, do this, but don't do that. And I could see that that was a trigger for me because I started creating these stories about how we must have whatever X, Y, Z yeah. family tree that didn't actually exist. But what if this one thing had happened? Right. It was like, why are you crazy? My gosh. We threw those books in the fire. We're like, nah, <laughs> we're done. Let's just take it day at a, t- a day at a time and enjoy it. Which I think we did. I think other times where where worry has ensued has been even like a, something's amiss with health and going in to figure it out. Like there's a sense of it feels good to get to the bottom of it, but there's also, also this sense That's, of foreboding that like it's scary. what are they going to find? Well, or, certainly as you get older too. When you're yeah. younger, you know, I mean, I had my health issues as, as, everyone, as everyone does when they're younger, but my mom took me to the doctor and we got it squared away. And I was like, okay, moving on. But as I get older now and you get older, I, I'm less likely to want to call the doctor because I'm like, Ugh, I just want to figure it out myself. I just want this to go away, whatever it might be. It's sometimes it's as you know, little as a cough. Sometimes it's as much as something like a bacterial infection or whatever. And I need drugs for that. Um, I know so. there's, there's one thing for sure. It, like the obvious thing that we haven't said yet that is causing a ton of worry is the pandemic. Sure. And the one million decisions that need to be made on a regular basis. Every day we wake up and there's new decisions. And there isn't one decision that feels like it's the right decision right now. Right. So I think that can cause a lot of worry of like how bad could the out- the consequences be of this decision or what if that was the better decision and man, you can just be exhausted by continuing to turn these things over and over and over and over again in your head. But another weird form of worry that I found through the pandemic, and I think it's kind of tied to my dad dying young, is are we missing opportunities? And not even just like, oh, the pandemic happened and now we can't take that vacation that we wanted. But honestly, I'm finding myself kind of worrying, are we missing opportunities that are presented to us because of the pandemic? So the one that you and I have discussed is like, should we get an RV and should we head out west? Because when is this ever going to happen again where the kids have no activities and I can work from anywhere and we could just go and we could go for weeks. And that is so tempting and enticing. And I worry that if we don't do it, it's going to be a missed opportunity and it's going to be a regret. So I think what I'm getting at is that sometimes worry is this projection to the future that you are going to do something you'll regret or you're not going to do something that will cause you regret. On the flip side of that, I might be able to calm your worry there a little bit by looking ahead optimistically that this is the summer of the pandemic and hopefully it doesn't stretch past uh, much past this year into the next year. But uh, so I'm a stay at home parent. So I basically do whatever this family's doing. The kids are going to have more summer breaks. Now they're going to have some activities. So we'd have to figure out that, but we could ultimately, if we really wanted to make this work, if it didn't work this summer and our worry is that we're never going to be able to do this again because God hope there's not another global pandemic in our lifetime. Um, We could ultimately try to make it work on our own because I'm getting the sense that your job, your company is not going to, they're, they're taking things extra cautiously. So you might be able by next summer, you might be able to work from wherever you want, whenever you want, you know, they might say, all right, it's safe to come back into the building, but don't come back if you don't feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I'm just speculating here, of course. I, I think right now it's like, you know, maybe through the end of the year is, is what we're looking at for you to be at home. Um, and that's a guess as well. But it could be that we might be able to replicate this summer, uh, ideally, you know, of course, without the pandemic aspect of it, by just knowing that because of this pandemic, it actually is going to change things in the business world and for school and maybe activities in a way that we might not be able to anticipate yeah, that's right true. now. That's so that, true. that could be a way to quell the worry right now. I think if you look back on everything that we've just said here and all the things that we didn't say, all the other extra worry things, the the obvious downside of worry is it's such a freaking waste of time. Well, that and it's tiring. It's tiring. <laughs> it's exhausting. Yeah. And, and it's it's like that quote that worrying's like rocking in a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but you don't actually- It doesn't actually, get you anywhere. Yeah, it doesn't get you anywhere. <laughs> I like and that quote. It's, it's, like, it's like, man- how many hours and how many how many moments did we waste worrying about a lot of these things that turned out just fine in the end so, and even if it yeah. doesn't turn out just fine you adjust and then you make it fine and so really it's like gosh what's the point of all that worry when it's generally probably either going to turn out anyway okay right. or you're going to find a way to make the best of it or you're going to take a little bit of a detour or do something else that you find to be fun and and most of it is just made up stuff in our heads most of it is is not even like based in fact right. and certainly not created you know with fact so a lot of it is just imagination mm-hmm. so i don't know i i think that mostly worry is a waste of time and on the flip side, though, I do sometimes I do think that being a worrier can be an advantage because like I was saying in the beginning, I find myself like creating these stories in my mind of all of these different scenarios. And I almost feel like that creativity, that projecting out, that visualizing almost can give you an edge in the right settings or the right scenarios. Sure. I, I think to some degree it can make you more strategic. Um, I, and I think that it just like, if you're worried about like, sometimes I'll, I'll have a big presentation or a speech and I'll get worried beforehand or I'll feel nervous. Yes, you do. (laughs) And, and I think that makes me better because I try harder. And Mm -hmm. also because I set the bar really high for myself and, you know, you just, playing out these different scenarios, I think ultimately it can make you better. And frankly, it shows that you care about whatever the thing is. Like it shows that you, you, you're invested in it. Yeah. I actually really agree in the sense that, well, you just laid out how it works for you with presentations and things. And I see that in the flesh when you have to present and you buckle down and, but you're, sometimes you're worried to the point where I'm like, you got to chill, but, but it does make you better ultimately when you're presenting that you are doing the best you can. I know that I do that with our kids. I probably would be doing this with our kids even if I was working a a day job outside of the home, but I worry about them naturally as any parent probably would. I know you do too, but I try to pinpoint little things that I know work for me and work in my mind and try to teach them so that I'm not, A, it's like a twofer, A, I'm not worried about them, and then they don't have to worry about it either because they'll hopefully learn it. And I'm not trying to brainwash our kids by any means, but I'm trying to help teach them ways to go about life that 
you, then you don't have to worry about it because you're already, it's like a muscle memory type of thing. It's built in. You've probably heard me do that with them where I, I might sound like I'm being a little overbearing because I'm worried about if they, if I just let them go, which I'm going to do eventually, but if I just let them go right now, I don't want to worry that they might get injured. They might get lost, they, you know, anything like that. So I kind of set up ground rules and ways to go about things so that they hopefully don't do any of that. And I think it's actually worked pretty well to my advantage and to their advantage. They don't seem to complain and you don't seem to worry about it and I don't worry about it. So I think that that's where worrying can also give you a little bit of an edge. It can be a little bit of a positive thing because you're proactively getting ahead of it, at least in my case. So that's one of the strategies that you use with our kids. But for us, for ourselves, um, it might be good to talk through some of the ways that we work to overcome it because clearly we've expressed a lot of the things that cause us to worry. But you know, I wouldn't say that we're on a right, we're functioning on a regular basis, and yeah, we found right, ways totally. to leverage it um, positively. Um, not to say that it doesn't plague us, particularly at certain times like like now. Um, but there's definitely some ways that we cope, and I think for me. Um, the two that come to mind straight off the bat are number one, the faster I face it, the better. Tackle and, it head on. Yeah. To head on and like just get it, the, get it over with. <laughs> the more time that you put between you're worrying about it and the actual thing, the more time you have to twist yourself into knots and to come up with all the reasons why this, that, and the other thing, and actually make it harder for, for yourself to overcomplicate it. Yeah. It's almost like, you know, it, it's like this blaze, this fire that you're freaking out about. And you have to go, you just have to go straight through it. Um, and so, so that's been helpful for me. Another thing that's been helpful for me is um, envisioning and asking myself, what's the worst case scenario? Because typically it's not that bad. But if I can think of a worst case scenario that's super bad, then asking myself, well, what would I do about that? If that were to be the case, what would I what would I then do about it to like demonstrate to myself that I'm smart and I can figure things out and yeah. okay, so if that were to happen, then this next thing would be a realistic way to deal with it and it's not that bad. And then the other thing that I've started doing recently is to ask myself, what's the best case scenario? Because sometimes if you think about the if you if you make this decision or you do this thing that's freaking you out, yeah, the ba- the downside stinks, but the plus side is incredible. Right. And if you outweighs the bad. Yeah. If you don't make a move because of that and you miss out on the opportunity for the incredible, oh well, that's that's awful. Yeah, exactly. Because then you're not only continuing to worry about something, but you're missing out on what the outcome could be. Um, and I think kind of segueing that a little bit for me, it's almost like what I've done in the past for whether I'm in school or you know working a job and there's something that I'm worried about that I just don't want to do. I try to look like at the, the light at the end of the tunnel. What's my goal? Well, the goal is, again, I guess what's my secondary goal? I should say. The goal is to get this over with, get it done. Secondary goal is to get to that light at the end of the tunnel where then I can kind of celebrate, I suppose, if it's a when I was working, if it was a presentation that I had to give or, um, you know, maybe now that I'm at home with the kids, if it's fortunately, I don't have to I don't feel like I have to do a lot of this stuff being at home with the kids. And I, and I love that. I think it's kind of unique because a lot of people have told me, like, I could never do what you do, but I don't really worry too much about 
deadlines or anything like that at home. But there's certainly things that creep up and then they start piling. And once they start piling, I'm like, all right, I just got to put them together. And then the end of the tunnel is that you and I are watching a movie on a Thursday night or that we're going somewhere on a Friday night and hanging out with friends or family or, you know, even as, as small as pizza night on a Friday night. Look towards pizza night with friends and family or whatever on a Friday night. You get the light at the end of the tunnel, then you can just kind of pile drive through it and know that then you shouldn't have to worry much because you have a plan to get to the, the tunnel or the end of the light at the end of the tunnel. Don't you think that sometimes or maybe a lot of the times we are we worry because we don't want to look foolish? Absolutely. That's probably some of the, the like that's why you get nervous too. Like whenever I perform, which hasn't happened often, but when I, not anymore anyway, when I perform, and you might be the same way when you present, but I get the feeling you've practiced enough that you probably don't get as nervous as maybe you used to, or, or certainly as I do. When I get, when I have to perform or something, I mean, I, my hands are shaking. I'm like just going my you know, knots in my stomach. And, and then once I get going, I loosen up and I feel fine. But it's that worry that I'm, I'm going to suck. So, but take a minute and think to yourself, like envision a time where you actually did look foolish. Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking of one right now and it makes me laugh. One of you or one of me? One of me. I don't know. Let me think about one of you. But it makes me laugh. And is, don't you think there's something to that? Like if your worry is that you're going to do something foolish it's and you do wind up looking foolish, it's probably going to be a good story later. And at the very least, it's going to make you laugh. So right. who cares? But that's why you're absolutely right. The problem is, and I think I've started to let go of this myself a little bit. The problem is the perfectionist in us, and not all of us, but some of us, the perfectionist comes into play. And when you drop the ball on something, or I'll, again, I'll use my performance, like music things. The, one of the things that always got me nervous was if I forgot something when I was drumming. And I would drop a beat or I would just, that would just make me look unprofessional. I would look like a bad drummer and I hated it. Well, now I don't care. I mean, I'm 40 years old now and in the last, you know, five to 10 years, I haven't played in bands. I just, I drum, it's just for fun. And that helps me. If I go up on stage and I'm like, you're going to suck, dude. And I just play, even though I know I'm not going to suck. I'm just like, if I just tell myself, who cares? Kind of like my golf game. We talked about this recently. I used to want want to be the best golfer on the planet. Now I don't care. I just want to go out and have fun, swing, uh, hit the ball, and try to improve if I can. But I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fret over it. Same thing with performing. Like I want to do the best I can. But if I forget something, drop something, whatever happens, whatever, who cares? It's not the well, end of the world. Golf's a good analogy because it it brings me back to the the story, the legend of Bagger Vance, and that your best golf game is when you bring your authentic self, like you're one with the ball, like, right. you know, literally. And I think it's really true when you're trying to be something that you're not, you're trying to be, you're, you know, it's you're, harder you're than trying just being to, yourself. yeah, it's like your best golf game is going to happen when you shake it all off and you just, just play. Yeah. You just play. You just, you just yeah. connect. And sometimes I think, golf and some of these other things like I meditate every morning and part of meditation that has really helped me is separating yourself from your thoughts like kind of viewing your thoughts so it's not not thinking um but yeah. it's kind of going I I see those thoughts I recognize them and in recognizing them you kind of start to quiet them versus them having control of your brain you right. you have control of them and so I've noticed that in golf where 
I'll get in my head about it and I'll get like nervous or, or whatever. And I almost have to separate the same way I do in meditation and just go step outside of all the noise in your head right now and just hit it. Don't overthink it. Just hit it. That's funny you mentioned that because now that we've shifted to golf a little bit, um, I was talking to my dad recently about uh, golf. And the one thing he said that I recall, and I'm, I'm not quoting him exactly, but he basically said the driving range is where you want to work on your swing, your mental game, you know, your stance. Like that's where you want to work on your technique and your um, mechanics. The golf course is where you just want to play the game and hit the ball. So easier said than done, of course, but the idea is that you get out, you, you practice all you can on the, on the putting green and on the uh, driving range. And then when you get out to play the game, you just hit the ball. Did I ever tell you about the time, this was before you and I were together, and I used to have golf clubs in my in the trunk of my car. And sometimes after work, I'd go and I'd just go to the driving range, which was a little bit of- You did you tell know, me that. that stepping was... outside my comfort zone. Like I had never played golf before. And, you know, I was trying out new things. I was out of college and I, I went by myself this one time. Did you have like, like wooden clubs from the 30s or something? I had wooden clubs from the 30s. They were my grandparents' wooden clubs. Actually, like actual woods. Actual woods. Yeah. And, you know, I, I walked up and I, I was definitely feeling nervous and I was going to look like a loser. And I hit the ball a couple of times and just, you know, all sorts of badness. <laughs> you were trying. It. That's good. I hit this one ball that somehow went directly to my right. Not aye, like aye. a diagonal, like a 90 degree. Somehow it went 90 degrees. And it hit this guy's, like it ricocheted off the metal thing that you put your clubs against. Oh my God, Emily. <laughs> the guy hit the ground, put his hands hit over his deck. head. <laughs> <laughs> it was so free. And I would be, I was like, oh my gosh. I mean, that's where I go. Like, you know, well, I could say you've obviously improved in the then. moment. I mean, mortifying for sure. And it's just, but you, well, know, you know what? Later in life, we can sit here and laugh about it. And I think most of those scenarios where you're worried about, that how you're going to look um, is laughable later. Well, that and you just kind of proved your own point, I think, about you decided to, whatever the circumstances were, you decided to get some clubs from your grandparents and go hit a golf ball on a driving range, which you've never done before. You could have looked like a total fool. Well, it sounds like maybe you kind of did when you almost hit this guy and he oh, dropped to the, the ground. and just horrible. You know, <laughs> at the deck. Like that probably made you look foolish, but you didn't let that stop you. And so you weren't worrying necessarily. But you were just you like, think, ah, whatever, who cares? Don't you think that idea of being outside your comfort zone is another strategy for it? The more you do it, the yeah. more you just kind of get accustomed to living outside the box. And then, you know, life is that way. Life, life like when we resist it, it just keeps slamming in our face but yeah. when when you kind of actively pursue things that push you outside your comfort zone you become more comfortable with fear with worry because well, you know how to anxiety. manage it yeah because it's it's something that it's a muscle that you're regularly you're used, flexing. yeah you're used it, to that you that you are consistently running towards so yeah. i know and probably now reflecting back on it, like we were talking about co leaving college was a time of fear for both of us where it's like, oh gosh, we're, like, are we, what are we going to do with our lives? Gonna, like, yeah. And, <laughs> Am I going to get a job? And interestingly, 
that was a time period in my life where I remember having a calendar and I said to myself, I'm going to try something new every single day. I wrote down a different thing every day. Like one day I went rock climbing. One day I, <laughs> I like went swam in this gym in a pool at a gym that, and like, I would like, I slept in and was looking for a job. <laughs> and here you are doing like your rock climbing. I love it. That's, I remember that's one day I went to the movie theater by myself and saw a movie on my own. And I th- that's probably where I started picking up the golf thing. But anyway, I, I, on, I think that probably was a form of just like you would go into the gym to work out your muscles and you get physically stronger in the muscles. I, I, that was probably a way where I'm, I, I'm connecting the dots now that actively pursuing things that made me afraid made me be able to manage the fear of leaving college and step into like I was flexing the muscle. To be well, you to you it. were building a habit of going outside the box and being comfortable with it, which again is somewhat similar to I said this earlier about you. You are you are comfortable presenting when you do this for your company because you've practiced it, you've worked on it, you've done this so many times. Same with any you know performer who performs on a stage all the time. They're completely comfortable. In fact, I've heard some professional musicians say that they're they're more comfortable on a stage than off it. It's off the stage where they're like nervous and they don't know what to do. But when they're on stage, they've got their guitar, their uh, microphone, the bass, the drums, keyboard, whatever, that's where they are comfortable because that's what they do all the time. So like you're saying, if you go out and you try to do things that are hard or challenging and you just keep stretching that muscle, it'll become comfortable. And then therefore, hopefully, you won't be worried as much. At least that's the goal, I suppose. Yeah, maybe worry is a sign of good things. Maybe it's a sign that you're living your life. Yeah, you're pushing yourself. Sometimes I look at the kids and they just run after things. And it occurred to me the other day, I can't remember what they were doing at the pool. They were doing something. And I remember thinking like, my instinct is to sit here and watch them do that. Why isn't my instinct to run into the pool and play that thing with them? Like, yeah, I'm not a kid, but we've become so conditioned to like seek the comfort well, I don't. I mean, in that case, I don't know if that's so much. I mean, comfort, sure, I suppose, but I think that's a natural uh, thing for certainly a mom, but even just like an adult to want to just sit back and observe because you used to do that when you were a kid, so you you had your yeah, I guess I've you had your fill type way, of yeah. thing. Yeah, but that doesn't mean that you but can't even when I was jump a kid, in. Like I played as a kid, but I was also kind of a observer. Well, you know what? I kind of was too. I mean, my buddies around the neighborhood always wanted to play football and basketball. Well, I played basketball, but they wanted to play football and other sports. And guess what I was? The referee. (laughs) And they've made fun of me my whole life since then. So I'm kind of the same way. But one, a good example you mentioned the other day, and I can think of a good example of where I don't know if there was worry or not, but once she conquered it, it was all over from there. And that was Eleanor going off the diving board. She had her floaties on and she was hesitant at first. And as soon as she broke that barrier, she was worried no more. And she would jump off on her own and she just went for it. Now, I don't know if that's easier to do. I'm sure it is when you're a child because the things you worry about when you're a child are much yeah, less than she, an adult. That's but the key. And she loved it. She was, After the fact. Yeah. I know. But think about that in our own lives. The thing that worries you, worries you, worries you, worries you. Very often, the other side of it, you are like, huh. Right, you just got to get past that oh worry, my gosh, that was great. past the barrier, yeah. and then you realize that you've you can really have a lot of fun. I think a few other things as far as how we deal with it is 
um, you know, if it's, if it's something where we know it's not worth the worry, like we can kind of push it aside. It's hard, it's hard to break it, but we can look outside and we can go, okay, this is, this is not based in fact, um, distractions. Yeah. Um, that seems like an obvious answer. Yeah. But trying to redirect your focus, um, has definitely been helpful for us. Another thing is talking to people who have been through whatever it is that you're worrying about. Right. Most things that we've worried about, someone else has walked through that. And sometimes um, that's the only thing you have to do to kind of calm your mind is just hear that person say, I did it and here's how I did it and you'll be fine. And at a minimum, reminding yourself that other people have been through this thing and survived. Right. A um, little bit harder in the pandemic right now because very few people have been through a pandemic. I don't think there's anyone. Well, there's. I think there's a few people that are alive right now that were through the Spanish flu in 1918, but they were babies, so they wouldn't have remembered any of this to give advice or anything like that. So overall, I'd say that you know, certainly we're in a season where um, you know worry exists pretty regularly. Um, we we have been trying to be disciplined about not worrying until we have to. So, mm-hmm. you know, we're we're being thoughtful about where decisions have to be made. And in other instances, we're letting things play out and making a decision maybe a little bit closer to when the decision needs to be made. Um, we're trying to really focus on, you know, we had that podcast about having a good old-fashioned summer, and we're really trying to focus on that right now. Keep that going. Yeah, we're really trying to compartmentalize um, and we're using a lot of the strategies that we said here. So I think, you know, I, it, we would be wrong to say that we're not worrying because we certainly are, but I feel like we're managing it pretty well, all things considered. And particularly for people who in the beginning of this podcast, at least for me, I, I tend to be more of a worrier, um, you know, than not. So I feel like we've been doing pretty well through it all, but this was a good conversation, you know, to, as a reminder, and actually it was kind of neat to look back on certain moments where I personally have worried, maybe you've worried and connect the dots and how we managed it then and some things that we could apply now. Right. And I think to add one final thing, certainly, as you mentioned, the pandemic is not something that any of us have really gone through. So I think the important thing that I do, that you do, I think we both do, is just kind of take it one day at a time. And as you said, tackle things when they need to be tackled. Don't let all that stuff pile up because you're just going to, you're going to be building up all this worry and anxiety and it's just going to be bad on the other end. So, yeah, I think um, one, one thing just to tack on to that quickly is um, they say this in athletics a lot. What can you control? When everything's a mess and you're worrying and you're you're just kind of spiraling and you don't know where to place your next step, just ask yourself, what can you control? And sometimes what you can c- control is literally just your breath. Yeah. Um, and other times it's it's, you know, other bigger things. But what can you control? Center yourself. Focus on those. And take an, even a little tiny baby step forward because the sooner you can really, you know, face what it is, the sooner you can manage through it. Um, so, you know, I, I think that's maybe a good way to end it as a, you know, kind of a serious note. But if it's, if it's, if you're facing it right, right now, I think that's a good immediate next approach. I agree. Okay. Well, I think with that, we'll end the episode there. 
thanks for listening and remember to check us out on Facebook if you haven't already you can listen to us on any and all podcast platforms and we'll see you next time <laughs>